The Overview is a production of Chaman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 85 of The Overview. I'm Chamman V. Joined, of course, with by Fishsticks and ZP. What's up, guys? Yo, yo. Every time I hear the number of which show we're on, it surprises me. Like, I should just record five. myself doing it. I literally Jeez. say the same thing every single time. I, I should mix yeah. it up. Gosh, that's, that's, that's actually, what I do. Have it be the same thing every time, then have a robot come in and be like, <laughs> welcome to welcome 85. To. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a text-to-speech person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just that, insert that, that in if you want to go maximum laziness. <laughs> For me... For me today, I expect to go in between like levels of delirium and way too much energy for no reason. I've basically been resetting my sleep schedules. I've been up for some like so nice, a normal Z- hours right now. So normal ZP is basically what you're saying, right? So, somewhat, yes. <laughs> okay. I usually don't stay up this long. I enjoy my sleep. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got a special guest on the show, as you can see. We've got Verbo joining us from the LA Valiant for the first time. It's always great to have a first timer. Welcome to the show, man. What's up? What's going on, guys? Good, man. Good. Looks like you got a brand new room there. Like that. I do. It that's is. got the white. It's got that white feel, you know, to it, and so that's cool, man. Um, can't wait to get a chance to to really catch up with you and see how things are going. But yeah, sure. uh, real quick run through. We've got uh, obviously going to get a chance to interview Verbo. Got some a few game things. Lots of pugs going on with pros. A little bit of drama this week. Got with some. Bands Drama like, in the Overwatch community. Yes. What? Yes, we're, we're, we made it, guys. We made it. Shocking. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I actually brought up a topic, which is, um, you know, should players be role models? I felt like that would be a good thing to discuss for us today. Uh, and then a few little small things, too, in, in terms of Overwatch League news. And a couple questions we got from you guys, email Q&A. If you have any questions, go ahead and email that to theoverview at chamanv.tv. And we'll try to get them in tonight because we actually had got a room room for maybe one or two more if you guys get it in in time. But uh, let's start off with uh, catching up with Verbo, you know, and uh, everything that's going on. I think Ben, you wanted to start, you know, way back in the day. So why don't you why don't you start yeah. us off with this? As always, I'm really interested to know how everyone got to where they are right now, uh, uh, particularly. What was your entrance into esports and competitive gaming? Do you even have a background in competitive gaming, Verbo? Uh, so I played League for about four <laughs> years. I started playing just before I started high school. Nice. Um, ma- or I reached about Masters, and then you know Overwatch came out, and then decided it was a new opportunity and swapped over. Wait, wait. How many people do we actually have that came from League? How many? Uh, like, not, do we have it? How many people? Too, I feel like we have more WoW X WoW players than League players, but yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's a handful of League players. I'd say like one yeah. of the more notable League players was Bishu. Uh, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. In, but and but just, so uh, you didn't you didn't have a background in any FPS games then? No, I didn't play. Any not even games. casually. Wow. I mean, I played Call That's of cool. Duty on Xbox, but that doesn't really <laughs> translate. Totally transfer. Well. Totally <laughs> you pissed that Overwatch yeah. console didn't That's, take off. Is it? <laughs> Some variation of an FPS background, but yeah, that's about it. That's impressive, man. Yeah, it's not easy to to switch over like that. When you say I mean, cod, let figured... me just clarify: this is uh, this has been a topic between casters, but controller or keyboard and mouse when you played COD. Oh, that's yeah, good. 
Nah, I put on controller for sure. Oh god. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Continue. Prop. Respect. <laughs> Respect. So uh, so okay. Overwatch. Uh, obviously, it's being published by Blizzard. Blizzard has a an illustrious history with supporting basically all of their games as esports. But what was it about Overwatch that made you say, "Hey, I need to compete in this"? Or did you just kind of happen into it from like meeting people on ranked and stuff? So you take a look at League. It's a very cutthroat game. Uh, only the only you're only professional if you're within those top uh, ten teams, right? Mm -hmm. So within fifty players. Um, basically, saw that I couldn't really catch up to the other guys because uh, I started so late. So I saw Overwatch as a brand new opportunity. Um, didn't really know if it, there was going to be a competitive scene behind it. Uh, there was no track record of that actually happening. A lot of people were saying that ga the game was going to not do well. Um, but it was yep. a new opportunity, new game. I said, why not? So I did it. Those people are really short-sighted. Let me just get that in <laughs> yeah. there real quick. Like, very short-sighted, but yeah. Uh, so in the early days of uh, competitive, uh, remind us, who are you playing with? Or you've been playing with obviously the core of like agilities and uh, uh, and of course some other folks in your team, but Grim, yeah. like who, yeah, Grim, Grim and agilities. I, I can remember you guys playing together quite some time ago, but uh, give us a refresher on the on those early days. Oh man, it's been a it's been a long journey. So as soon yeah. as I swapped over, I I wanted to main DPS. I came from being a support from League, um, and then I joined a team, and I saw you know. People weren't creating a team the way I thought should a team should be created. So I said, if you know, if you're gonna do it right, you got to do it yourself. So I made a team called Bold Purpose Gaming. Basically, recruited people from online, hosted my own tryouts. Uh, like 20 to 25 people try, tried out, recruited you know five other people, um, practiced, scrimmed. We actually ended up paying for our own ticket to go to this small New York land uh, for about two days. And some other teams were there, like you know Steel Flame. Like the old Splice roster was there. Mm -hmm. uh, they ended up winning that tournament. And then afterwards, I uh, joined a team called Harambe Comets. Uh, just another amateur Good team. Name. I like the name. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. The name. Very, very topical. Uh, aftermath of Cincinnati Zoo uh, back in uh, 2015 or 2016. I forget the years now. It's gone too quick. That's a great name, Harambe Comets. But yeah, yeah. I, I had my you know, time on there. And then... Uh, basically, my track record, track record from the previous two teams led me on Bird Noises, which was, you know, Luminosity Evil mm -hmm. with like Jake, Rob, all those guys. Um, and then we actually ended up playing in this Halloween event while I was on Bird Noises. We played against Immortals and we, be uh, we beat them. And then I figured that, you know, they were looking for Lucio because the coach at the time was playing Lucio. Um, I basically just got poached from Bird Noises to play for <laughs> Immortals. I, yeah, so I was... I mean, I kind of feel bad because I was trying out for Immortals while still on Burn Noises, and I didn't really let Burn Noises know, but I knew where I wanted to go. I had to do anything that I could, um, but I still love those guys, great guys, but yeah, I ended up going over to Immortals afterwards. That's so, kind of been the journey. Ever since. I think we skipped over one key part here. You said that initially you're just like, well, I want to come to Overwatch and play DPS, but obviously you've been in Lucio role for a long time here. What ended up throwing you back to Lucio? Uh, what was the determining factor that got you back in the support life after you were determined to go DPS in the beginning? So I studied a lot of strategy about the game, um, whether I was in class, whether I was, you know, mapping out some stuff uh, on paper, uh, watching, you know, VOD reviewer pro games. I was always strategizing about the game and I knew that uh, I wanted to be this like main caller on the team. And I was doing it, doing that as a DPS, but 
um, it was distracting me from, you know, my aim, positioning, and it just wasn't really good. Um, Lucio is a character where you can kind of put your mechanics on autopilot while focusing on, you know, strategizing, rallying up your team, guiding them. So that's what I did. Felt like swapping over to Lucio, focusing on calling was, you know, the thing that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. That sounds like you've always kind of had that mentality of like building things up and supporting your teammates. Um, and I, I, I mean, I'll just, uh, you know, maybe uh, poke in a little bit of a sore spot, but like uh, particularly during Immortals, uh, when, when you guys were not doing as well, I, I, I remember you coming out and being like, I will take the blame for this. I will put yeah. the team on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you've had that mentality for a long time. So as a Lucio player, you're kind of just there. Um, and I saw a lot of blame going to the rest of my team. Um, I'm the type of person where I really don't care what the community thinks of me. I really don't care mm -hmm. if I take hits. So I basically went on another, another podcast and I said, hey, you know, blame me. Take, like, let me take the hit. I'll, I'll take the blame. I want them to focus on their gameplay because... You know, I don't think it would affect me. Uh, I don't really care about that stuff. So that's what I kind of did. Okay, yeah. Why, why don't you talk a, a little bit about kind of the ups and downs you guys have had? Because there have been moments where you guys look like one of the best teams in NA, you know, after certain events. And then, you, you know, there would be like the next month or next two, there'd be a little bit of a lull on y'all's part. A classic NA cycle. Yeah, just like a classic NA. Yeah. And, you know, I think you guys were part of that roller coaster too. So what was going on during that? Like, did was it just meta changes or were there actually, you know, more of, you know, some maybe internal things at the time or anything like that? I think meta change. Mm -hmm. um, also, like, say you're really good. Say a team is really good at, you know, given meta, like Ryan's Zarya meta, mm -hmm. and then the meta shifts to dive. Uh, some like some people that don't main Reinhardt or don't main Zarya have to swap and, you know, start getting better at different heroes that they're not used to playing. And if, you know, they don't really have the motivation to do that, then it's going to affect the team as a whole. Um, that's why we went into roster changes. That's why we went into, you know, shifting the roster around and mm -hmm. changing things up just to, like, adjust to what the meta was. So that's, what, that's why, you know, a lot of changes happened when we were losing. Yeah, I mean, you guys actually had a really great month before Contenders. Uh, yeah. But then, you know, I think you were one of the favorite even in y'all side of the, or just the NA and, and the all side of the bracket or groups on NA too. But then, and, you know, the Contenders was, was a pretty big disappointment, at least for, I think, a lot of folks that had high expectations for you guys. Uh, was that, did that have a lot to do with OWL and just a lot, you know, stuff you, you guys trying to figure out if you guys were going to be able to join OWL as a team? Or was that, again, like another case of some, something changing in terms of the meta? Um, so contender season zero, our team is brand new. Mm -hmm. Um, everything was clicking. It happens with having a new team. And then, you know, leading into contender season one, we mm -hmm. ran into a few issues like, you know, meta, meta did shift a bit and not so much. It was still dive meta and we were, we were good at dive meta. Um, just things kind of fell apart. We were running into some issues that we had to fix. Uh, mm -hmm. plus okay. we were making a bunch of changes in terms of like how the team would function to prepare us for the overwatch league. Um, just like with any changes, right? Like if you make a change uh, to a continuous habit or routine that you're doing, obviously, like part of you is going to, you're going to have to lower some things in your gameplay to increase something else. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what we kind of did. So one thing I felt was interesting is that, of course, you guys did have your period of dominance in Contender Season Zero, where you guys were basically kings of NA during that time period. Of course, uh, things changed as you win the season one. But when I think back at Contender season one, I felt like something that really defined good teams in that particular season, both the NA and EU side of things, was their 
basically tank gameplay, how your tanks worked, how they controlled space, uh, particularly in the previous meta. I feel like tanks made the biggest difference. And that's also where you guys seem to be the least sure of yourselves there, where, of course, uh, it even culminated in a permanent roster change where Hyped ended up uh, leaving the team and all the rest. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, what you guys went through and trying to solidify uh, how you were approaching your tanking strategy? Um, like, are you talking about switching between Envy and Hyped? Well, I'm just that and just also, it felt like you guys were kind of struggling at tank coordination all throughout Season 1, whereas in Season 0, it wasn't as big of a deal. Like, effectively, what changed between Season 0 and Season 1, whether it be players, meta, etc., specifically in relation to how you guys were handling tanking? Okay, so... Previously, like I said, you know, we made changes, right, going into season, uh, Contender Season 1. And that change was basically, you know, making our tanks more vocal. Uh, because with Dive Meta, you need your Winston, you need your Diva, and you need your DPS players to be more vocal. You need a coordinated dive. Um, and that's something that they weren't used to in Season 0. Um, and they were slowly getting used to it in Season 1. Obviously, um, when they're doing something new or doing something different that they're not used to, it could affect your gameplay, and that's what you were probably seeing. How much did that uh, affect the team mentally there? Because I think you guys were in somewhat of a unique situation, right? Where the average team in contenders was sort of seeing everything as life and death. Whereas, technically speaking, you know, from the outside, people were looking at going, this is a disaster, Immortals is getting wrecked, what has happened to them? For you guys, sure, there's prize money at stake, but I, I guess, what was your mentality going in? Were you really experiencing trials and tribulations going up and down or are you just like all right we're just working on stuff here because we're prepping for the bigger tournament that's coming up in the sense of the upcoming owl season yeah because you you guys kind of knew you were got were going to be part of owl i think pretty early on so i yeah. guess you know the fact that you know you were making changes that were more for the long term i mean i i guess how did that yeah i guess what kind of expectations did you have if you were making those kind of changes so, I mean, in Season 0, we already established dominance, and then going into Season 1, obviously, you know, every team wants to win, but was that a main priority? It wasn't. Um, we went into Season 1, we wanted to learn, we wanted to grow, uh, we wanted to prepare, prepare ourselves for the future for Overwatch League. Um, so any changes that we wanted to make or anything, any new things that we wanted to try, we just jumped at it right away. Um, we weren't too scared about it. Uh, I mean, after like Week 3, Week 4, I think we were 4 at that point, we were just saying, you know, we're just going to play this to learn. We're just going to play this to, you know, grow mm -hmm. the team. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully it's going to pay off, right, in the preseason that's coming up. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I had a question for you about just, you know, being on Immortals. And so what's it like playing for an owner like Noah? Because, I mean, he seems like such a great, you know, team owner. Obviously, he's one of those, you know... Um, it just those you know owners that are very organic you know in esports you know just just starting a team and everything not one of those uh you know owners that have come external to uh the esports scene uh but you know everything we've seen about noah and talking about overwatch league i mean it's really awesome to hear so i kind of want to see what it's like being a player for for immortals i mean noah as a ceo he's professional he's uh well-spoken um he's honest and it basically just trickles down from the CEO all the way down to the players. Um, Immortals is an organization where you don't have to act like you have everything put together. You can show up, hey, I, I have to work on this. I, I'm not that good, but I'm here to make myself better and grow into that best player that I want to become. And that's the good thing about Immortals, all right? 
Uh, you don't have to come at 100%. You can come at 0% and work towards your 100% while being out of mortals. So, or Valiant. So, uh, the roster has changed a lot. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm sure you guys have yeah. been seeing the community has a lot of predictions about where OWL teams are going to stack up. Uh, but you've added quite a few people. You're actually one of the few teams that's almost fully capped out at all 12. Or actually, you are all 12, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, we're 11. Uh, oh, you're 11. You're 11. Okay, close. Uh, so one thing that I, I definitely wanted to call out is now you have a tracer specialist uh, in soon, right? Beforehand, Grim Reality, he used to blow my freaking mind apart <laughs> like it, it, back in the day on McCree, on Soldier, but he, he never actually seemed super duper comfortable with, with, uh, with the tracer uh, role. So now you've got guys like Soon. Uh, obviously, you've, you've packed on a couple more tanks as well. You've got guys like Unko, uh, who when I think of Zenyatas that can frag, I think of like Kareev and Unko. Like they're kind of, yeah, of at the top of my list. Uh, so what does this new roster give you uh, in terms of flexibility? I mean, like you said, we have we have people that can specialize in certain heroes. We have, you know, different people that mesh well together. Um, it's basically just a roster that's able to function at 100% whatever given the meta is, right? Um, if soon if we're playing dive, soon has to play tracer, or if we're back to like defensive constant, we have to play McCree soldier. We throw Grim on there, or you know, right now the meta is Mercy's end, right? It it would mm -hmm. make sense to put Unko and Kriven um, instead of like playing Lucio, or uh, not only that, right? Like everybody has a counterpart, so everybody's constantly being challenged every single day to be at their best. Um, so that's a good part about having a big roster like that. How has the um... Uh, the dynamic of having Korean players on the team been because you you guys brought in Korean players months ago. You know, like Kriven, you know, they they joined you guys like I don't even remember beginning of summer, maybe even spring. I can't. It's I don't know exactly the date. Uh, and you guys instantly had success with them. So uh, obviously it's gone pretty well for you. But you know, there's a lot of uh, different opinions, I guess, as to you know having that that dynamic. Some people think it's great. You know, just to have a mixture, and you know, as long as you guys, um, you know, are, are able to to mix that kind of culture with whether it's a coach also that that might have uh, you know Korean background too or not. But uh, I just want to get your opinion, given that you guys were one of the first ones to do it. Uh, basically, introducing a new culture, you have to have the other mm -hmm. half being receptive to that new culture. Um, Koreans, uh, no doubt, very hardworking people. It's just that um, if you have North American players that are not receptive to, you know, learning that or trying to meet them halfway, um, obviously you're going to run into some problems, but that wasn't the case for us, right? So I, I know mm -hmm. some people say, like, the culture isn't really that good, but it is good because, you know, they get to see where we come from, we get to see where they come from. Uh, culture is mixed together, um, people mesh together. Uh, that's pretty much it. It's just an exchange between, you know, how things run and how things function. So you've all moved in together, right? Yes. So <laughs> what's the situation? You have one house, two houses, like uh, you're in a house situation, not really apartments, right? No, uh, no, no. Well, we were in a house. We're in apartments now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Do you have I, yeah. Who are you rooming with? So I'm rooming with Agilities and Kriv. Okay. Three, <laughs> then, three bedrooms. Yes. Three. Yes. Okay. Three bedrooms. Okay, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically the situation, the living situation for us is we all have our own apartments. And then when we, you know, come scrim time, come playing Oh yeah, basically scrims, practice, bot review, anything that has to do with the team. Mm -hmm. uh, we travel 10 minutes to a facility and we basically just play there. 
Well, you say right. the facility. Are you talking about the Blizzard Arena or no. a different facility? It's because our own facility. Uh, it's sort of interesting because, uh, I mean, it's good that you have your own facility, but on the same note, if you think about how practice is going to be for OWL, obviously you have the training area set up within the Blizzard Arena, and if you want practice on the land environments, you're going to have to go there to scrim other OWL teams. So I just wonder in practicality how often you'll be going to your own area versus going to the OWL practice area just because of the fact that you do have access to a unique practice environment there that you can't get anywhere else right now. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're going to try to balance up between going to our own facility and going to the Overwatch League facility because obviously teams are going to be playing there. Uh, you know, you have the land client, no ping, no latency. Uh, but if you look long term, uh, with the first season, everybody's here. But then come season two, everyone's going to be leaving, going to their own uh, region or sorry, location. Mm -hmm. So like that's why we want to get used to playing out of our own facility. Uh, but we will be implementing some type of balance. Okay. Fair point. All right. So um, in terms of the team, all right, who who is the... Who's the, the 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 jokester of the team? You know, like the point oh, that keeps everybody loose. One. Yeah. I, I feel like I know the answer to this. <laughs> really? Okay. I don't know. I think it's a fight between Grim and Kriv. I was going to say okay. Grim. Okay. Yeah. Has Grim fed you a grilled cheese yet? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Man. I've asked him to make me one, but he refuses. This is terrible. He hyped up his grilled cheese a year ago at E-League. And to this day, you were, you were teammates with him back then, and you still... He hasn't made a grilled cheese for the team. I, I don't understand. That's terrible. It's because he I'm makes it and then this. he eats it. That's why. Wait, so, he wants, so it to, wants it for himself. Is this grilled cheese like the kind that's, you know, it's got like three types of cheese, you know, like an actual uh, gourmet type of grilled cheese? Or is this like old school, just like, you know, American cheese, throw it on two pieces of bread and, and make it like that? Definitely old school. Anything that, you know, okay. get All it right. done, get it fast, and then back to playing. He just wants his daily grilled cheese. He'll do whatever okay. he can to get it. Okay. There's some food trucks out there that's some, got some good grilled yeah, cheese over good, in LA. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so, okay. I, I'm sorry for asking this question. I'm going to apologize in advance. Okay. What do you think? Where, where do you think you guys stack up right now? I, I mean, obviously, you, you know, scrim results. I'm not going to ask you to spill the beans. But, uh, you know, for, for all those people out on Reddit, like, what do you, what do you expect? What, what are your expectations for season one? Like, do you guys have a super lofty goal to win the whole thing? Like, wh where's your head at there? Um, I'm going to stick to my guns. Yeah. Be humble about it and give you a nice PR answer. Oh, I think come we have on, a lot of, dude. I, <laughs> I, think, I think we got a lot of talent on our roster. Um, if we utilize it properly, I think we can definitely be, you know, in the top three. Uh, but okay. obviously, you know, it all depends on how we practice. It all depends on how we adjust. Because obviously, meta might change uh, halfway through the mm -hmm. season. Uh, we also got to figure out how we want to implement different players in the roster. Because there's a lot of different combinations you can do with the roster that we have now. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if, I, if I'm the coach of, of Valent, I'm like... Do I play Kareev or Uncle? Like, how do you make that decision right now if you're playing, if you have a Lucio comp also? Like, th there's a lot of tough, tough calls there. Yeah. I mean, we, we have we have a good coaching staff. They know what they want to do. They have a, they have a plan. They had a plan uh, even before putting the roster together. So yeah. I'm confident, you know, the decisions that they're going to make. Okay. So all these preseason rankings don't motivate you at all. Like, you no. know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James style, like, 
paste it on the wall and like all of us look at it every day. So nothing like that. No. Okay. I would ask one thing though. Uh, <laughs> let's take yourself out of this answer here, so you don't have to think you have to answer yourself for this. And you know, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to think what teams are on the low end because that can get a little bit PM. But of the other teams in the league, what team scares you the most? Like in a good sense. Like what team do you look at and go, "Wow, they're going to be tough." Out of all the other teams in the league. Uh. Three teams come to mind, definitely London, Seoul, um, and Dallas. Mm -hmm. I think New York can also do very well. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't know. Or I'm no. not entirely sure when Flower can play. Um, next, I think it's not even this season, right, Flower? Yeah, I don't I, is yeah. it this season or is it during the so. season? I think it's I'm next sure. season, yeah. It would be next season. And uh, actually, I think that entire situation is fascinating because even though you'd think with the history there, it makes sense that he would go to New York – Technically speaking, you know, he's not signed by New York. And in theory, if he's still playing at a high level, I mean, you could be talking about one of the biggest bidding wars in Overwatch unless oh, there's yeah. some like. Well, he, I think he is signed to the contenders team, right? Or they're working well, on that right now. Yeah, or there's, well, there's, yeah. I mean, like OGN, like I think he's going to play an OGN or contenders. Well, or they want to right? build the New York contenders team around him. So. Yeah, but uh, again, I'm not sure he's actually signed. Like, I mean, again, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he is signed in some way that I'm not aware of. But you know, I do think it'd be interesting if you had a period where Flyer was a free agent because uh, let the bidding war begin. Oh my god, be he'd be the highest, highly paid. entertaining, easily the highest paid. Player. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, what, do, what do you get well, more than a seagull though? Well, also brings like okay. crazy stream viewers. That's a different. Like, uh, that, it's different. It's very different, right? Like, we well, got, yeah. If you're gonna say the highest paid off pure skill and no other factors being added in uh, i agree but i could see him getting like what are they looking for yeah right yeah. like are they looking for a pr boost are they looking for you know i i want to i want to you know do well this season right well he, he got so, a lot of uh, i think he got a lot of attention and even press hype during the world cup so i don't think he can really go that wrong <laughs> either way with yeah him. yeah since zp went there uh, any teams that you think uh, are going to surprise people you can say yourself that's fine Hmm. I, I mean, well, okay. Besides, besides ourselves, <laughs> yeah. uh, I would say maybe Boston Uprising. I think, oh, I think they're yeah. going to surprise some teams. Okay, I think, okay. I think a lot of people, like on paper, first initial thoughts are, you know, a bunch of nobodies, can't really expect much out of this roster, no real stats behind these players, no track record, but uh, you never know. I mean, new talent can easily be developed. You'll, you never know, right? Um well, you but, could yeah. say this is where I'm gonna press you a little bit harder. Is that you could say you never know about anything, but do you have a reason on the players there, like the based on what they have, to have a sort of belief that there could be a surprise there? I, I guess basically, where are you basing this off of, or are you just basing off the possibility of you never know? No, I'm not. I'm not basing it off of you never know. I'm basing it off of you have new players that are hungry that want to prove themselves. Mm -hmm. And they'll do anything they can to basically do well and, you know, give their 100%. I think a lot of the players that have been here since, you know, day one or been in the competitive scene, uh, I mean, it takes a lot in you to, to stay motivated for that long. Um, who knows? Maybe, you know, those rookies might uh, pass them. I have yeah, no idea. But, I've definitely, yeah. the rhetoric, you know, about the uprising, I feel like it's been changing, like, in the last week or two. You know, I've been hearing yeah. good things about Huck. I've been hearing good things about the team. So... Yeah, I mean, I, who, who knows? Like, I, I think that they're, they could surprise people right off the bat. Uh, just, maybe, I, don't, I forget what the schedule looks like for them, but um, you know, it wouldn't be crazy if they like won their first X number of games or X number of matches and, and 
you know, really start. The, their first talking. matchup is against New York. Uh, generally oh, okay. speaking, a yeah. lot of the first week matchups like to respect uh, regional rivalries if they exist between the teams. So obviously, mm-hmm. Boston New York is sort of a yeah, pretty close. classical American sports rivalry. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, to I, even I, counter. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, uh, I, sorry, I was just gonna say uh, I keep hearing whispers that Shock has been super strong in scripts. <laughs> I've been I've been hearing that so everybody hearing that's that. like on the bottom of, of everybody's yeah. free ranking. Well, no, I've been hearing that for like yeah. basically like the last two months, uh, including from the USA squad, uh, the USA World Cup team said that uh, that it was Shock that was giving them kind of some of the most trouble out of any other NA team. So I, I think that's another one that people need to keep their eyes on. Probably I underrating. Think- I mean, I'm not sure. First of all, you're saying most troubles. Like, they were also the USA team, per what they were saying, they were beating Shock handily. Like, I'm very confused now because you, you guys are saying, like, this about Boston and San Francisco. It goes completely against what I've heard in recent times. So, I don't know who's saying these things. I mean, now there's a little bit of back and forth. I'm not necessarily but... talking about scrim results or stuff like that, but I'm just saying, like, you know, what I'm hearing is just that, you know, people are, are definitely putting in a lot of work into it. And, I mean, you know, and trajectory is probably in the right direction is what all i'm saying it's a new team i mean mm-hmm. who knows how they're going to function once they hit that wall right every team hits a wall no matter what every team hits a wall it's how they're going to break through it um and i mean they can crash and burn once they hit that wall so we'll never know We're, we'll see that during the season or they yep. can break through the wall like the kool-aid man <laughs> there's always oh, two yeah. options <laughs> right Oh god. Well, okay, we've done a lot of theory crafting about power rankings and all that. I want to talk about the meta itself okay. uh and just get your perspective on where things are right now. Um I, I wanted to ask you kind of about like the the mercy meta uh, that has been so dominant including all the way through World Cup. However, uh just last week we did have a pretty significant patch that brought Mercy's uh res outside of her alt way 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 down, made it much much harder to use. It also buffed Ana ever so slightly. Uh, turns out to not be that slight. Have you scrimmed a lot on this new patch? Like, what are your thoughts on, first of all, Mercy? Is she still as dominant as she was? Uh, and uh, is Ana more viable now? Like, what, what do you think about the meta right now? I think all the supports are in a good place right now. Um, I think even though Mercy got nerfed, she's still good. What really made Mercy was, also, yes, it was the res, uh, but the ultimate is just really, really strong. Um, you can you can pretty much turn a fight around with the the Valkyrie. Uh, in terms of Anna, I think yes, she's more viable now. She's got the damage to you know protect herself. Um, say so traces in the back gives her a lot of more dual potential. So I think both of them are still good. Yeah. Well, we've we've seen some stats recently, right? With the, just the sites that are releasing play stats, and we we see the rise of Honor, and you know maybe a, a drop a little bit in Mercy. So I think that yeah, I mean, even the player pool right now is showing it. So that's, it, that's good. If nothing else, Mercy, and who knows where her actual power is right now, but if nothing else, it actually requires a little bit of forethought in using res now, where it's still pretty amusing if you're playing ranked or otherwise. We'll see Mercy's <laughs> treat it like last patch occasionally, and they'll just dive yeah. in deep and go, I'm going to res this person. It's like, oh no, I'm slowed. Oh no, I can't <laughs> actually, the res isn't actually happening yet. Ah, I'm dead. So you do have to think at least a little bit in regards to where you res, especially if someone isn't yeah. uh, safe at the time. I, you yeah, know, you got to check the area before you go in for it. That's so. true. I have to say, as you know, like playing with this new change, as the person being resed, it, it actually feels more natural to have to wait a second for people to res you, because that's how all other FPS games work, right? Like, you can't 
you don't get rest instantly. So um, I have to say that, yeah, it's felt like, oh, yeah, this is this is right. This is definitely feels very, very right to have that happen. Um, so I have a question for you for uh, in terms of Mora. And um, first off, like, what do you think of her? Do you think she's um, capable of being viable in, in the meta? Like, the, yeah, just what sure. you've seen of her? Okay. I mean, okay, so big thing about her is she's got a lot of healing, um, and she can mm-hmm. heal multiple targets at the same time, right? Because her healing yeah. is in a cone. Um, not only that, that shift ability is really, really good for getting yourself out of, like, tough situations that you might find yourself in. Um, people might think, you know, she's really easy to kill um, with dive, but... I mean, dive in, use a bunch of resources for more. All she's got to do is press shift and get out. You don't even see when you don't even see her when she's doing it. Um, so I think she's very good. Um, she's got almost she's got almost as the same amount of healing as Anna. But the thing is, is like the way Anna protects herself is she's got the sleep dart, um, and you have to hit it in order to live against some type of heroes. But Moira, I mean, the skill ceiling is not that high. But all you got to do is press shift and you're out, and you're good. Do you still think that, give, even given the PTR changes that have come in, where they've made the her uh, secondary fire a lot more aim-based than it is now? It's not quite lightning gun status, but mm-hmm. they basically changed it. Rather than being like Symmetra Beam Light, you pretty much do have to be on top of the target to keep the lock mm-hmm. on to it. So that they made it a lot more precision-based than it is right now in live. I like how they did that because it rewards uh, the support players that are going to be you know in those custom games practicing tracking or practicing their aim instead of just you know blindly you know, acting like it's a Winston gun. <laughs> yeah. What, well, one thing that I think is interesting about it too, uh, by the way, is that, and this is going more to the idea of compositions, and whatnot. You, you mentioned, well, you think it, she'd be bad against dive. I've actually always thought the opposite with her, because mm-hmm. if you look at her kit, particularly with her, how her secondary fire works, it's very anti Genji, anti tracer in a sense where it, if either of those heroes dives in the back line, of course for Genji, you can't rely on the deflect there. You're just going to get, uh, secondary through it, so a lot of Genji's bread and butter of go in, do a little bit of damage, deflect, finish it off. You can't really do that against Moira, even when her shift is down. And then for Tracer, uh, as anyone knows, like if you get hit even just a little bit on a Tracer, you're pretty much doomed to die to God knows what. So Moira, just by pure vu- virtue of existing, is going to be able to bring you below breakpoints that are really unpleasant for a Tracer, where, oh, a Moira was attacking you for half a second. Now you die in one McCree headshot from mid-range. Not, I don't think it's like fun times for either Tracer or Genji in trying to dive in on Moira right now. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck a lot. <laughs> I think if they're going to nerf Moira, it's it's going to be the right-click range because you can shut down an entire flank that Tracer's taking just right. by, you know, like you said, damaging her a bit. You force a recall, she's got to wait. Like, that's your window to, you know, for you to dive instead of them. Uh, so yeah, I think she's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, is, she, uh, is she good on maps that her, you, you can't use the orb well, though? I feel, I, like, I feel like she's so dependent thing. on being able to bounce mm-hmm. that orb. So there's a slew of maps where doesn't really work at all like route 66 comes to mind like maps that basically aren't all enclosed do you think she might even be viable in those situations the what's kind of shutting her down what's kind of like putting me on the fence about like should we run or should we not is diva right like you throw your orb all all diva has to do is just (laughs) throw the matrix out and she gets the amount of matrix that she used back before your orb uh comes off a cooldown so like the diva's always going to win that trade um so oh, I true. think, yeah, yeah, I think sometimes, you know, maybe on King's Row where people run Ryan's Aria, I think it, it, she's good to play there. Um, just like very narrow, linear maps. Stuff like you that. know, mm-hmm. 
you know, the hilarious thing to me is that, especially at a pub level right now, uh, there was a talk in uh, Pro Talk going on earlier today about, you know, heroes that you want to know to play for solo. And Diva right now actually feels like she tops the charts, at least in, yeah, even in competitive play. Like some teams will run her constantly, like Outlaws and whatnot. But aside from that, if you're just like playing the game normally right now, especially when Mora goes live, having Diva as a pocket pick is incredibly good just because it's like, oh, you shut down Moira Worms. That's really good. <laughs> you shut down Junkrat, who is just incredibly overplayed right now in ladder. And not only that, but you also have the ability to make plays with the hero in terms of picking people off, which is important to actually get anything done in the average pub. Long story short, even though she's, for whatever reason, underplayed right now to an extended pubs, you probably should play D.Va. She's really good right now. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. 2017 yeah, man diva, <laughs> diva year of diva pretty much it's yeah not surprising so have you been playing Moira like per like specifically you or um you know you know because one question i have about mora and this is uh based off of just how long it took other uh you know new supports to really be uh you know just ha have a, a very powerful effect on uh, the pro scene uh is that like is Mora going to have like an effect possibly immediately? Like, are, are you guys actually like really playing it seriously and thinking about throwing it out there? Um, or do you think it's going to take like a few months? I mean, we saw Sombra take like, I don't even know, like maybe four or five months before we actually started seeing it, you know, on Volskaya and Hanamura and things like that regularly. So how long do you think it will take for Mora to actually see like significant pro play? It's all dependent on the scrims. Like if we figure mm -hmm. it out, uh, quickly, then mm -hmm. obviously we'll play her. Uh, heroes like Sombra or even Ana, right? Like mm -hmm. those yep. two heroes took a really long time for some teams to figure out. I mean, especially when Ana first came out, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Ana's not going to be played. And then all of a sudden, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, Ana's a must pick. Why would you not want to play Ana? Beyblade. So, like, I mean, yeah, it's, also it's just the more it, in fairness yeah. to Ana, she got like eight buffs in a row. People are just like, yeah. oh, okay, okay, we'll play her now. <laughs> well, actually, all this, all this shit is incredible. Why weren't we playing it before? It's like, all right. oh, right, all right, pro players. Yeah. It's just, it's all about scrimming and mm -hmm. figuring the hero out, seeing how the hero integrates into the rest of the, you know, team comp or whatever strong in the meta. Um, and then obviously, you know, if, if Mario shows she's strong, then yeah, why mm -hmm. not play her? Okay. All right. Well, um, I don't know if you guys have any more, you know, just more questions related to, you know, this whole catching up with Verbo. If not, we can just move on to some Blizzard world here. <laughs> mm. All right. Who Who is your first round matchup? <laughs> okay, there we go. In, in, the, in the preseason? It's you know? uh, San Francisco. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. That's, right. that's going to be spicy. Ooh. Rivalry. Yeah. Any, any crap, any, any, any shit talk you want to throw out there? I mean, we've already run. We've already won the battle on Twitter, so uh, winning oh. a second time wouldn't be too hard. Okay. In fairness, the only thing that might be worse than the shock in terms of their in-game performance from uh, rumors that we've heard is their social media team, which has yeah. taken L's repeatedly going back to their NRG days for the last two years. So I, I don't know. I'm just saying, what is it saying when you're when you've bested them on social media? Because there's a lot of people that are holding those stuff right now. I don't want to throw them deeper in the grave than they are now, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh, okay, man. okay. Oh, okay, all right. Good stuff, though. We got to get some spiciness you know, involved just to, just to get these matches really, really uh, exciting or hyped up a little bit more. Uh, of course. But let's talk about Blizzard World because that was announced at BlizzCon, and um, I was anticipating it coming out 
maybe just a few more weeks later. So the fact that it's coming out in November surprises me that, you know, just at least in PTR. Uh, but have you guys gotten a chance to, you know, run some games on it? Maybe even just like get a good look at it in the, the uh, spectator mode? Uh, yeah, I've, Oh, I've seen her in uh, mm. the PTR or the, her. I've seen the map in the <laughs> <laughs> still still on Moira. Yeah, uh, right, but yeah, right. I've seen the map in PTR. I I think it's I don't see it as a competitive map, and like that kind of leads mm. me into another thing of, uh, you know, every t there should be a competitive map pool uh, for Overwatch League. You know, maybe max like eight maps, two two maps per game type, um, just to like you know maximize practice because if we have to practice all those maps. Uh, it's really hard for us to get a concrete strategy going for each one. Um, so that's pretty much where I'm at with Blizzard World. But you don't, you don't think it's that great? Or I, I think it's a great map for, like, if you want to hop in a quick play or, like, playing in a ranked game. But, like, strategy, I, I don't know. I don't see it as a competitive map. I Maybe I haven't really played it enough, but that's my initial opinion on it. Is it just, like, lack of, you know, just diversity or... or uh, I mean, is it just too straightforward? Is that what you're saying? No, it's... Huh. It doesn't. It doesn't even look like the map knows what it. Oh, okay. Okay. What so it wants think to it's do is just. It's well just there. a big okay. map, right? Um, so uh, let me yeah. put it this way: in terms of rating against another recent map, which has been fairly controversial back and forth, oh, yeah. good and bad, is that uh, if you compare it to Junkertown, otherwise Ooh. known as Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> if you had to choose between <laughs> Junkertown and Blizzard World, which would you rather play in their current forms? Oh, I would say Junkertown just because I've played Junkertown more. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm All not. Right. I mean, both maps are they. They're just not great maps. I mean, Junkertown's just not a good map. I don't like El Presidente, dude. It's, it's brought back the. It's brought back the, the the awesome strategy that we haven't seen in. I literally hop into a rank game and everybody knows to play. You know, the El Presidente competent attack. Like it's just known to play that on Junkertown <laughs> by everybody. So he's back yeah. in pirate. <laughs> Man, the times I do it, like my my team just gives up on it the minute that they see symmetric balls and stuff. So it's like, really, guys, come on. Jeez. Honestly, what sinks the ship more often than not in games I've been in is when people have the general idea of running a bash and then they're missing a key part of the actual, <laughs> like the Rhine like, or the Arissa or yeah, or Mercy. Or mercy. Or mercy. Oh, mercy? Like, Are you serious? Wow. Okay. Yes. Where people <laughs> just like, let's do Ana Zen. It's like, okay, if one person dies, your ship is sunk. Like, <laughs> please, you must run a mercy with this composition or yeah. be flawless. And it's a pub, so you're not going to be flawless. You need a mercy. Yeah, at first, I was like, cool, an open, a, a map that's way more open. Variety is the spice of life. This is wonderful. <laughs> and then the World Cup happened, and now everyone knows that you can just run. Bastion on attack and defense. Like, oh god, I actually <laughs> yeah. dread getting queued up on that map now. Well, you know, it's, is probably the best argument for altering Arisa's shield just slightly compared to wherever it is right now. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I have to say, like, I, I agree with you guys. I think it's it's a little ridiculous. At least the matches get a little ridiculous. But at the same time, you know, as a, a, a to just an overall viewing experience. It's kind of nice to have a map that's like so different, you know, than than all the other ones that I mean, it, it's significantly different. So even just your average viewer can see that, oh, this is like a totally different strategy on this map. Um, so that's kind of nice. But I think after about two or three weeks of that, <laughs> you know, that people would get tired of that, too, because uh -huh. it's just insane. Right. Um, 
But you know, that's kind of a bummer. Blizzard World is, isn't that great of a, a map because you know the novelty's there. I, I mean, clearly, I spent a ton of time on this map too. Just given um, that you know, I came up maybe like I don't know, even a couple of years ago. I think or people were you know talking about it back in the day. So um, I I think that um, it's you know it, it it'd be a little bit disappointing if that doesn't actually end up working out. That we see it a bunch in competitive. We'll see. I mean, I haven't played. I mean, I, in terms of scrims, I haven't played any scrims on that. So, uh, but yeah, like my initial opinion is that it's not really a competitive map. But I mean, maybe the more I play it, uh, it'll change. Uh, okay, cool. Um, so you you participated in some of these pugs that have been happening recently uh, over the last I don't know three, four, five days. Uh, a lot of the pro the pro players, a lot of which are in o OWL, some of which aren't. Uh, but most of which are OWL players have been uh, playing in pickup games. They've been uh, streaming a lot of the points of views. It's actually been one of the best things ever as a spectator and as someone that wants to learn about how yeah. pro players communicate and and think and 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 play uh, in that setting. It's been absolutely incredible. Uh, so first of all, awesome. Keep it up, guys. Like I guess I guess part of the reason has been like the pros have been wanting to try Moira. But the, the more we can do this, the better, because <laughs> it is such a great learning experience, to, especially to hear the comps. Like, that's something you just don't yeah. don't get any other way. Um, of your, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been awesome. It, it, felt, it felt like beta, to be honest. Like, you know, watching all the, the big name players playing with each other and having some fun at the same time, playing some competitive matches. Uh, maybe even a little bit in contenders, too. But it, it's it's been, yeah, it's been great. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed it, too, quite a bit. And um, it, it looks like this is going to be happening at least for the next couple weeks, right? Uh, oh, I hope so. Yeah. It's I mean, just once... good for everyone, right? Like, yeah. it's good for the viewers. You guys like to see good games. It's good for us. We, got, we like to play the good games. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also awesome that we get to, you know, play in a team environment with different type of players, see how they work, see how, you know, they function. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. I mean, it's it just benefits a bunch of people. I mean, there is one downside to these pugs, which is that how are you going to be prepared the one day when you're in a key OWL match and Grim Reality snaps in the middle of the match and just goes offensive Torbjorn without saying anything? Like, he turns <laughs> off his comms in the middle of the match and just goes, I'm Torb. And then right, he's not making it to, all right? Just don't report him. It's that's true. Game. That's true. <laughs> yeah, he's not making it. It's to. less likely that Grim would do compared to Megan do, but oh, still, you're going to be less prepared with these pugs than you would by playing rank. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, one thing I haven't really, you know, every time I watch uh, just all the pub, pug ses sessions, I, I never get a chance to catch how they're created. I mean, is it just being created just from pro talk and people just getting together, just 12 people just getting together there? Or is there somebody actually uh, organizing these things? Uh, so what happened was Jake, he created a Discord. Uh, basically, yeah. we have all the Overwatch League players in there, and then we have uh, some other okay. players that are unsigned cool. that, you know, nice. the Overwatch League players think are can compete at the level at the you know same level too mm -hmm. um basically it's all coordinated in there whoever wants to play they hop in the lobby and then nice two captains are selected and then a draft occurs so it, it there is a draft makes me, yes makes me yeah it makes me nostalgic <laughs> dude. <laughs> like that that's like how i used to play games competitively for yeah. i don't know 10 years it's fun it's fun it's, it's amazing yeah, yeah. You know, one thing that stood out to me is uh, a lot of OWL players, some players that are not OWL, like Fact Fiction, uh, <laughs> which is just like, yes. so I'll be totally honest, Fact Fiction was not at the top of my list as like greatest tanks in the West uh, until 
uh, these last couple of weeks, as and especially uh, with these pro pugs, his comms are insane. Like he's like helping these teams be successful, uh, and, and it just really just puts like an accent on the fact that some of these players just really deserve to be in there. I mean, another thing to tap into is like like the Boston thing, right? Like fact fiction's not or like. People have something to prove. Fact Fiction has something to prove, right? He's not in the Overwatch League. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he he knows people are watching. He knows that there are people that he's playing with that are in the Overwatch League. Say someday, you know, a team needs a main tank. It's just word of mouth. Hey, I was playing with Fact Fiction and Pugs. I think he's really good. His comms are amazing. Let's pick him up. And then like that, it happens, right? Um, that's how most roster changes happen. That's how most people are recruited. Um, just by word of mouth connections. Yeah, like mid-season that. pickups, man. Yeah. setting themselves up perfectly for that because you know who knows how how much of this is going to be going on during the season right so i mean good on him yeah yeah you got to get take advantage of this time like before uh the season begins uh, all right oh uh, well we got some news uh tidbits here first one being overwatch wins golden joystick for esports game of the year which is like Wow, okay, this is, I mean, this is great, right? And um, I'd have to say it's a little surprising, given that we still haven't started the Overwatch League quite yet. But um, you guys expecting this? I was uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest. And <laughs> maybe be honest. This, is, this yeah. is maybe me being ignorant here, but when e- I never paid attention to award shows for things like TV, movies, and music. I'm not sure what credibility esports awards have, but it's also in the realm where I'm just like, I don't really know who's making these decisions. Yay, I we Overwatch got an award, but as a general rule, I don't think I put a lot of stock in uh, these award shows as a general rule, so... Yeah, okay. uh, but I would say at least we had the World Cup, which was incredible. Yeah. yeah. The rest of the year in Overwatch esports has been far less than incredible but like it, it, at least writing off the momentum of the of the world cup it makes sense um and and it would be weird to like i guess you could just be like oh league of legends is still the biggest esport in the world they're esport of the year but you're always going to take into account uh up and coming prospects you know the growth uh that they've seen in general uh as well so and by the way, just to reiterate, I'm not taking anything away from uh, how great World Cup was or some of the other events Overwatch has had this year. I was more just stark at the entire idea is that, okay, award show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> like uh, It's more like less to do with anything Overwatch has done, more to do with I find it difficult to care about award shows. Yeah. I think it had all to do with the World Cup and just how crazy it was <laughs> because you know um, it was only a couple of weeks ago, right? And these these awards are were pretty close to BlizzCon, uh, but regardless, it's cool. You know, it's, it's better than not getting awards, right? So yeah, sure. <laughs> let's let's get at least some attention going into Overwatch League. Definitely cool. Uh, oh, Agility's also won esports play of the yes, year. Yes, he did with his Genji play. We were talking. Yeah, me and Verba. Verba was talking about that. Yeah. Even though that, like, the play was dope, but even though it was just like, I'm dashing through an entire team with Nano <laughs> yeah. Boost, but that's okay. <laughs> it's never been seen before. Like six people dying that fast. That yeah yeah, so, yeah that's, true. That was that's why amazing. that was. Was Agility's at the award uh, ceremony, or are they just like setting it? The, so. uh, I don't think so. Uh, no, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, is he getting a trophy funny. via the mail? <laughs> How is this? I don't know. I, he hasn't brought anything back to the apartment, but I watched the video. It's funny. They they're like play the year, and then they said agilities, agilities, and that was it. Like because he wasn't there, he didn't couldn't come up and talk. So oh, they funny. thought he was there or something. I oh, think really? so. I okay, think they okay, did. Yeah. got it. 
No, that's cool. Uh, that play was one of the best plays of the year for in, in Overwatch. So it was, sure. I've never yeah. seen it live. That was like amazing. Um, all right, next bit of thing. We got some juicy drama that's that's uh, that happened this past. Uh, Here we go. Yeah, Here yes. it comes. Yes, we made it. We got some drama. Yeah. No. Um, so XQC, uh, you know, was kind of in the middle of this. Uh, well, you know, it's just drama and just a lot of crazy uh, threads on on Reddit, and it all stemmed from him getting banned from um, reporting. You know, just folks that he's playing with. It kind of started with people. You know, you, you know, just I guess uh, the fact that he was like reporting one tricks and whatnot. But you know, in the end, he was reporting like using a bunch of the different. He was doing it multiple times using a bunch of different categories, typing all kinds of crazy things in these reports. So, um, you know, I think the aftermath was just that, you know, in the end, I think he regretted doing that. You know, he had the kind of the, the, the initial, well, they had videos of him initially reacting to it. And of course, you know, it's XQC. He's going to, he's going to react in a very, very emotional way. Uh, but then he had, you know, this, this kind of written statement afterwards, just saying that, you know, he, he clear, you know, he, he kind of regrets doing that, you know, and he, he'll be better next time around. Right. So I guess what's y'all's take on just this whole thing, you know, like what's the, the, I guess, moral of the story here in, in terms of uh, your take. I don't think XQC should have reported as many people as he did to say the least, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where I understand where, you know, to get, draw on some of my history where there's, you know, I used to stream Heroes of the Storm for uh, upwards of almost two years. And look, when you are playing the same game in a competitive format for eight to 12 hours a day, you're going to get like small annoyances to a casual player, or even like a, you know, medium player in terms of playtime become incredible annoyances to the point of just wanting to drive you up a wall. So the fa XQC I'm sure is incredibly annoyed with people that are not necessarily playing to win in the way that he would like to see them win. I mean, again, I think back in my own experiences where, you know, I think the average person back in here's the storm when they got a Merc on your team, when he was one of the worst heroes in the game was like, ah, whatever this game's lost. But when you're streaming for 12 hours a day and that's game number six, out of you know 18 or whatever you're on for the day that's getting thrown by a dude who's just like haha i'm playing this that's really bad right now it, it definitely gets grading i mean mm -hmm. streaming is not easy and streaming and being a good public figure that never has any outbursts of what is this guy doing for that long period of time it's even harder so i don't know i mean Look, bottom line, XQC does need to be wary that he's a public figure and not do things like mass reporting, but I don't really fault him on any personal level because streaming and keeping your sanity is hard. My biggest take home from this is that I think to me, I don't want to read too much into it, but to me, the Blizzard is kind of making a statement here saying that no pro is above our system. Uh, if you if you act shitty, we're going to ban you. Uh regardless if you're a pro or if you're not a pro. So to me, I think that's one of the take-homes is like they're, they're, they're trying to spread their enforcement as broadly as possible. And no one's like above the rules, right. which the problem is though, the rules are not clear. <laughs> no, the so. rules are not clear. It's just definitely understatement. But when you do something like that, I mean, it can even just be an, 
just an auto band, you know, like it, just like a robot detecting that or a program that even just detects that when you're just, you know, using different categories and, and re reporting like super quick like that, you know, with, with whatever profanity it laced into it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a combination of those things too. Verba, what's your take, man, being a player and all? Um, I understand his frustration. I, I get it, but um for like you're a professional player you're in the overwatch league plus he even won the mvp award at the world cup uh just out of respect you need to you can't be doing that i, I mean bottom line you just but i do understand where he's coming from but i, I mean as you saw from his uh statement he wrote an apology so he understands yeah um that's all that really matters right yeah so one thing that was kind of crappy with you know just the whole banning for him was they banned him in the middle of a match, which, you know, that okay, should not yeah. happen for sure. I mean, you just totally screw it for everybody else on his team. Um, I mean, they should at least wait until the end of the match for that to happen. But, um, yeah, I, I think overall, I, I agree with you guys for sure. I mean, I think that now that you're, you know, in this very high-profile league, you, you have to take into account that. And just even take into account that your team has to even have to deal with any kind of actions that you have, which brings up the question... Uh, in terms of players and code of conduct and, and the fact that we have players streamer, you know, as streamers and entertainers too, um, you know, where is that line really, you know, because especially XQC, right? I mean, I, I think when, when Dallas signed them, they, they knew what they were getting, right? Like, they, I mean, XQC, it's always been like this and, you know, I, I, it'd be pretty hard to imagine that he would, you know, change the fact that, you know, change to the point where he wouldn't be this very, you know, um, uh, just, you know, just very passionate, crazy, overly passionate guy, right? So, I mean, for lack of a better word. Well, one thing that's worth doing, though, is like how quickly this has come together, the XQC, is that in terms of his fame going from basically, you know, his stream wasn't very big at all at the beginning of the year and mm -hmm. now is huge because of, you know, participation tournaments like the monthly melee, yeah, building yeah. Uh, his legend over time, and, you know, now Dallas Fuel, that's going to really spike the viewership he has. That's not a long period of time to sort of learn proper social graces on a stream and really convert to the idea where, look, to, to start from the beginning, you sort of have this idea that when you're beginning on a stream, you have 20 viewers, it's sort of, oh, I'm just streaming, I'm being myself, whatever, like hardly anyone's watching this anyways. It's difficult to transition from that eventually into all right, I'm a sponsored professional player drawing X amount in salary, and this is a production for people to watch, and I have to be very careful what I say. Otherwise, I could put my sponsors, my team, and myself in a very bad light. There is a transitionary period there, and because things have gone together so quickly for XQC, there's going to be a few bumpy spots along the way, given mm -hmm. his natural tendencies and how he's just going to have to learn to rein some of this in over time. Yeah, I mean, that is true, yeah. Seems like a good segue, Chris. Yeah, I mean, this is a... So the, the segue is into the topic of the week, which we have this week, which is... Um, has all, all to do with uh, a discussion that, um, you know, Flame kind of brought up. I mean, it, it kind of spread into the subreddit, too, and everybody was giving their thoughts on Twitter as well. But the question is something that we've seen with athletes, too. It's just, should Overwatch players, you know, do they should they have to be role models, you know, for for uh you know kids or for other players that are aspiring to be you know professional overwatch players and um you know in this particular case with xqc you know i think that um you know seeing him be like that on stream is entertaining for people like us for sure but is that you know 
you know, what we want him to be doing if he's going to be one of these, uh, you know, players that are going to be, you know, at the forefront of this league? I think it's a very tough line for players, and it has to do with the psychology that makes one a top player compared to what is expected for someone on the PR front. Let me just be clear here. I think if you're a professional player, you have every reason in the world that when facing the public to come across as the most humble, kind, generous, like all the virtuous things you can have, like don't let people see a single you know downside to you. That's how you will be the most marketable. That's how you make the most money. In a sense, that's what people want to see. They want to hold you to this higher ideal. So if you can manage to hit those ideals as a player, you're going to have a lot of opportunities and a lot of power. However, the issue that you get into is that what drives you to be a top player is to some extent like not only huge belief in your own abilities, but there is inherent disrespect for the abilities of others in a sense. Not because of any particular reason, but it's just you see yourself as being the best, which means that you're not going to always give as much credit to everyone else. You're going to you know, say, I could do better than that. So the mindset that puts you in is one where you're not necessarily respecting like other pro players on a high level. And if you're not respecting other pro players on the highest level in a lot of those times, how are you going to respect the person in your pub game? That's not even really trying at all. So there's sort of a case where the attitudes that's going to drive someone to be a top player are also going to drive them to be less than great at times in a public facing eye when interacting with say random people in a pub or even like other pro players that are not on their team. So there's a disconnect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, well, the Verbo, like, I mean, you're being a player, you obviously have a, a pretty good sense of the PR aspect of all this, right? Um, here, what's your take on this? Just role, you know, being a role model or just being yourself, you know, all, all of that. Um, I mean, there's nowhere that says you have to be a role model. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're a professional uh, but in my eyes i think it is it's not expected but like out of respect you should uh be acting you know mature disciplined um the, like the thing the way i see it is you have a platform uh how are you going to use it are you going to use it in a negative way or are you going to use it in a positive way where you can actually make change um if people aren't going to utilize that then obviously their values are somewhere else right um i see it as you know you have a platform, make change, you know, do what you need to do, right? What do you value? That's yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and I love you, Flame, but I, I'm just going to I'm gonna poke a little bit of fun at your tweet. I'm going to read it for, verbatim for you guys. I don't know where this players need to be everyone's role model Garbo came from. Players should try their best to be respectful, well-rounded, passionate human beings. They're paid to compete, not inspire someone else's kids. The middle part of that contradicts the first and last part of that. You basically just said, where did this expectation that players should be good people come from? They should be good people. And like, you, it like juxtaposed together just kind of made me laugh. Because like, we're all, we all understand. If you have the eyeballs of many tens, hundreds of thousands of people potentially, you should use that for good just as a general rule of thumb. Doesn't matter if you're a pro player, doesn't matter if you're uh, a musician, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's just like being a good human. But particularly when it comes to sports, I'll, I'll echo what ZP said. You know, you if you are toxic or or shitty or whatever, you're, you're not marketable. You're not going to be uh, getting the endorsements. You're not going to be getting invited to uh, the team that you really want to play on. So, like, 
do you must you be an ideal human being to be a pro player? No. Should you be? Should you at least attempt to be like civil and uh, you know humble and these things? Absolutely. Um, so I don't know. It, it kind of seems like a f- circular argument to me well, because we all kind of well, agree with each other. Let's be honest. We all agree with each other. It's just the way that you frame it and the way that you like project it uh, is different. I guess. So yeah. one thing I did just want to note here, real quick, when it comes to traditional sports. Uh, and I'll use the NBA as an example because the NBA has so many good examples, but Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Kevin Garnett, likely countless others, but these are some of the three that have like the most noble stories, legendary assholes. Like these were not nice people on the court. These are people where they would be up against you and talking mad shit the entire time, like way more shit than any pro player talks to other people in their comp games and all the rest. That's so it, not an interview. Let me tell you the difference between that. Uh, and, uh, well, I was go ahead and finish it. Go ahead and finish that. Go ahead and finish now. I was just going to yeah. say is that the differences between the two is that there is a strong like separation between I'm playing the game versus I'm now in the media for those players. Whereas when you have streaming and otherwise, it's sort of like you're streaming Michael Jordan, like, beating the crap out of people in a pickup game where, by the way, Michael Jordan still talked a lot of shit. So it's, I think it's a unique challenge to esports when you have things where you're basically streaming people at times where they can communicate while they're also playing the game because traditional athletes didn't have to really deal with that in a lot of situations, especially well, in the past. I mean, we've had players like Charles Barkley and, and even Dennis Rodman saying that, I don't want to be no buzz role model. You know, like, you know, they, they just outright said that, right? Like, we, we, they're, they're basically saying the same thing, you know, like kind of Flames uh, making a point there, at least at the end of his tweet. And the thing about Michael Jordan, particularly Michael, and Michael it was it was the guy that I literally it was like my idol when I was growing up, you know, and, and I was like totally, you know, eating the or drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, that they were feeding me about Michael Jordan. And yeah, he was an asshole on court. He was an asshole like out of the, off the court too. And the thing about well, him see, is... I- yeah, the thing about him is that the PR machine didn't want you to know about that because there are people who are making billions of dollars off this guy, right? So, you know, whether it was Nike or whatever his sponsors are, I mean, you know, all those things were just covered. I mean, we've seen, seen it to a little bit of extent with just like what you saw with Tiger Woods, right? But Tiger wasn't like, I would say, an asshole like, like Michael was necessarily. But, you know, there's a lot of like covering up, you know, what these people are really actually like. You know, not even them necessarily choosing to do this or not. It's like other people that, man, we're going to lose a lot of money if he, like, you know, really shows who he is. And, you know, that's the part that's like, oh, I mean, I don't know if I, I really want that. You know, like, I, I, it's, I do want the players to be themselves, too. You know what I mean? Well, that, now you have the uh, interesting dilemma of streaming, where streaming is sort of this intimate window into some of the thought processes of your players and <laughs> it's like I'm, reality I'm, television yeah I, i'm going much. to guess that if you had a stream of michael jordan <laughs> in his day-to-day life back when he was being this legendary asshole to everyone that it probably wouldn't have gone over super well like you think about some of the comments that get thrown towards say like sinatra so there are people are like man it's not just being toxic like you see michael jordan just like flip the coffee at the assistant company, like i asked for cream in this or whatever well, i mean he was I mean, a dick to his teammates know. you know it's like he, yeah. i mean it's Anyway, my point is, is that like I, I do agree with you guys, but at the same time, it's like you know I want these players to be themselves too, because you know eventually you're going to have all these other parties that are going to be trying to manipulate the image, anyways. So um, that's what I'm saying. Like you're yeah. not expected 
Um, it's like, what do you care about, right? Like, like Flame said, these guys we're paid, we're paid to compete. That is true, but mm -hmm. I mean, is that all you want to do? I mean, like you you can do so much more with where you're at right now with the the platform that you're on, right? Um, I don't know, but again, like that's my take on it. I, I love to compete. I believe me, I'm so passionate about competing, but I see more than it being just a competition. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing to note here too is that there's very differing backgrounds for a lot of players in the league. Where, look, bottom line is that a player that's like older and like maybe 23, 24, which is still like fairly young, but like on the older end of the spectrum for players that say is like been through college, had some like classical training, like has maybe worked like a white collar job at some point. Like there's life experiences that can definitely rein in some of your, you know, crazy passion. I'm going to say whatever comes to be factor. And then you have players that, you know, they're 17 years old and they haven't had the, you know, ability to benefit from that education or that life experience. And now they have to learn all of this on the fly in the public eye where they're very likely to make mistakes. So I think it is a rough situation for the players to be in where you have these phenom talents that oftentimes are very young that haven't had the time to really develop these life skills because suddenly they're thrust into this unique one of a kind of what's in a lifetime opportunity. So, I mean, it has its upsides and downsides. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's definitely a good talk there about role models. I'm sure this is going to come up again <laughs> the next time somebody makes it on yeah. the front page for whatever reason. Uh, but uh, another bit of uh, news in terms of Overwatch League and what they announced is that um, you know there was rumor before that they were uh, going to create an award that in memory or just to um, to honor like Internet Hulk or, or just as a tribute to him each year. And they announced that. So there's going to be the Dennis Hawelka uh, Award, which will be given to the player that we or that they deem to have the most positive impact on the community. So that's really really cool. I wonder what they're gonna. I wonder what it's gonna look like. Like do, any any uh, predictions as to what it will be? Will it be a, a monkey or a Lucio or <laughs> you know maybe the? I don't know. How do you how do you uh, like demonstrate? like what they're saying in a structural way. I don't know. I, that's, I don't know if it'll be a hero. I don't think it will be. It'll mm -hmm. be something else. But What I would do is, you know, the entire, uh, if you draw from Overwatch lore, you know you have the Professor Winston with, uh, you know, baby Winston when he was uh, like oh, okay. a tiny bucky. So basically okay. use Professor okay. Winston, but put Hulk's face on him instead of whatever his face <laughs> is. You know, he doesn't have a face now. Like we're just going to put... Hulk's face on there, and he's holding Winston's hand. Like, I think that'd be a cool trophy. Okay, yeah. I think that would be nice. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Uh, on top of that, uh, you know, there was actually a, a bit of Eichenwald that was changed recently in, in honor of Hulk, too. And there now, if uh, this is like in the starting sp um, the spawn area. Now, if you look on the wall, you can actually see that there's a candle there with a poster that has iHeartDH. I and, uh, yeah, that's, that's a really cool touch you know we, we were talking about during um the hulk tasking cup you know the ptr message the actual server message you know had a had a, a little message for hulk but this is like another level you know this is actually being in it and i, I think it's permanent right it's going to be there forever it's really really cool yeah, yeah awesome like gestures that. from blizzard mm -hmm. also pretty clever because it's yeah, uh yeah dennis hawalka and also internet hulk ih yep exactly. depending how you look at it so 
there you is go. there an ID thing about it? Does ID represent anything? I don't know. But uh, just the diagonals. Maybe it's only supposed to go just directional. Anyway, it's really, really cool. I think that's uh, very awesome of Blizzard. Uh, another bit of news is that we talked about a little bit about this earlier, and they were saying that um, uh, that they may be building a, a second contenders team around Flower. So I think this is more speculation than anything else, but um, that would be pretty interesting. I mean, it'd th be at least one way to still see Flower, you know, playing. I mean, it, there's talk about Apex too, but um, getting a chance to play in, in contenders and just you know, all the different matches in Contenders. I think that'd be great for him. Could he play both? Is it possible to play Apex and Contenders? I don't think so, I right? Doubt so it. I don't, Probably yeah, I don't not. not yeah, I mean, I honestly, who knows? I doubt anything has been set in stone, and who knows what teams are going to come up with, but the answer is probably not. Also, yeah. I don't think... It, it, let's say New York does sign Flower, and they're able to you know keep him on as a developmental talent, right? Mm -hmm. Presumably, you would want to give him as much time as possible to acclimate to living in the States to get used to it, as opposed to having him try and like do both, spend a bunch of time doing Apex, and then you know still be getting in through the culture shock period when eventually he gets called up to your OWL team. So mm -hmm. yeah, probably keep him in the States if you can. I think uh, people are sleeping on off-season for Overwatch esports. I think... Content the combination of Apex contenders, whatever you got going out on on in in Taiwan, uh, mm -hmm. Southeast Asia, I think there's just incredible potential for outside of OWL uh, Overwatch esports to be really really interesting. Uh, the devil's in the details, though. I mean, we don't we don't really know uh, any details. Like, are our Apex teams going to ever have a chance to play against North mm -hmm. America and Western contenders teams? Like, yeah. How is that going to work? Are there going to be big land tournaments that ha that showcase all the best players in the world, or are they all going to be siloed? Uh, so many questions uh, still about contenders and just the outside of OWL scene in general. Which, by the oh. way, N Nate Nanzer tweeted that by the end of November we should know something, probably, almost for sure. <laughs> so the, what, what you have there is wiggle room. Then that's <laughs> it's called wiggle room. But also to get to get your, to your idea about the contenders st stuff is that, and this isn't from word of God or anything. This is just my general theory on how things seem to be structured based on you know what of experience and so forth. Is that I don't think the intent for contenders uh, across regions is to have it turn into a oh we we fish an NA season and an EU season and a Korean season and now let's have them all fight each other. I, I think that is not the purpose of contenders because your global league, your global competition is supposed to be Overwatch League, whereas contenders is sort of let's find the best talent in these regions and then send them to Overwatch League, not let's find the best talent in these regions and then have them fight a death match against each other and sort of run like <laughs> Overwatch League yeah. part two, but not Overwatch League. Like I, I feel like there's supposed to be a clear separation there where if you want global competition, you go to OWL. Right. Um, so Verbo, like, is there any hidden resources of talent that we still have not touched, like tapped into, you know, in terms of, of some good Overwatch players, hidden Overwatch players? Or do you think most of them are out there at this point? Um, I think most of them mm -hmm. are, the majority of them are in the Overwatch League. Uh, none come to mind right now, uh, but... I feel like eventually we're going to see some new talent arise, mm -hmm. names that we've never heard of, um, and I'm excited for that. So, 
Yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to see just the venue. I mean, the contenders obviously the best, but like even below contenders, you know, you got you got to make a yeah. name for yourself below that first, and That's then get about, contenders. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be. We'll see if there are any kind yeah. of infrastructure develops there, like the regular. Look, my general point of view is that if you want to make a name for yourself outside contenders, uh, wait for Fishsticks to uh, be streaming. You know, he, he's very popular, and then you go in and stream snipe him. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. That, that, that's what you do here. I thought I thought you were gonna. I thought you were about to say, wait for Fishsticks to run another. That's tournament. what I thought you were gonna no. say. That's exactly what I thought you were gonna say. Wow. No, no, no. I, I, was, I, I was going with. The- <laughs> the incredibly like low level, just like garden variety stream sniping. That's how you go. Oh my god! All right. Also, all right. also, don't stream snipe people. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> I'm just, this, this is all jokes. Okay. Well, uh, I think we'll still hold off this all free agent thing until yeah, next week. We so we're gonna need right. we're gonna need some stuff next week. So why don't we go into some Q and A? You guys uh, sent in a couple of these email Q and As, and if we have some time, we'll just take some uh, from Twitch chat too. If if needed, but a teammate, that's his name, asks, so far, OWL Season 1, all the teams are living and playing in LA, but the rumor for OWL Season 2 is that teams will be living in their team's home cities instead of LA. How can you see that working? Do you expect this to change? Is it really Season 2? I, well, I thought it was like I mean, even after Season 2, actually. But I mean, well, it's not a rumor that this is where they want to go. This was yeah. the entire idea exactly. of Overwatch League. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the entire purpose of the league was to have this location-based uh, esports teams and, and actually have physical arenas where games are played on a regular basis. Right. So it's going to happen eventually. Question is that when? Um, I haven't heard rumors that specifically say season two mm-hmm. myself. Uh, just knowing, just my gut feeling about the logistical nightmare that that's going to be is that it probably won't be season two, might be season three. But I, this is literally just. Just thinking about the fe- like the logistics of establishing twelve plus arenas around the globe, buying like renting out the space, getting it all set up like that's just going to be insane to get to that cool. level. Uh, not not to mention like having a mobile broadcast team that can just go everywhere. It's just going to be crazy. Well, Plane so. tech is for the players. I, I, like I think the production element is definitely the the sort of the wow. There's a lot of stuff to get figured out more so than the other parts. I mean. I think there's going to be a lot of leeway towards the teams in terms of what sort of arenas they go with, especially early on. And I mean, this is just speculation, of course. But, um, you know, you look at the Blizzard Arena, the Blizzard Arena uh, seats something along the lines of 450. So there is a range here where you don't have to get gigantic complexes, at least in the beginning. I'm sure it'll range between 500 and 5,000 for most of the teams, but there is like wiggle room there in terms of where teams can actually play depending on what they feel interest will be yeah. and so on and so forth. Well, the nice thing for Verbo and, and you guys, I think you, you don't have any problems with that. I think venue-wise, you probably have a lot of places that you can oh, choose yeah. from. Yeah, it's just... It's, Especially yes. with our sponsor, our, yep. our sponsor, or sorry, not a sponsor, but um, our investor, mm-hmm. investor AEG. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, a cool thing to even uh, talk about, about the like the region thing is, uh, season two, yes, everyone's going to their own. Um, you know, oh, it is locations. season two for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, season wow. two, it's happening. Season okay. one, it's all in LA. Uh, so season two, everybody will be going to their own location. Uh, but like, then you think about how is you know London going to scrim or how is Seoul going to scrim when you know all mo- the majority of teams are in NA, right? And I think a big part uh, to shine some light on London is maybe that's why they fielded a twelve-man roster and they put together two man or two teams. They might be doing some internal scrims. You never know, right? Mm-hmm. But then Seoul, right? I feel like they'll be scrimming 
Apex teams. Um, mm-hmm. And they might just like end up fueling another or a 12 man roster as well. But um, yeah, that's kind of my outlook on mm-hmm. season two and how it's going to work with London and Seoul. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm wondering if, yeah, season two is even too early, to be honest, because I, I think that having, you know, just having everybody together, building the brands, you know, just having a full season of that. I mean, a, a full season is what, six months, right? Like something like that. Uh, I mean, it's, I think maybe that, eight. Okay, eight months. I wonder if that's enough time to actually build a crazy following like that so that, you know, you can really get things going even in in those locales. Um, But that's going to be pretty cool if that's what they end up doing, you know, and um, I'm not sure where at least the Florida Mayhems are going to end up, you know, landing, given that it's basically anywhere between Orlando and Miami. It's a long distance that they can just basically plant themselves. But it'd I'd be, be surprised cool. if it wasn't Miami, just because of the fact that their ownership group is in, in Miami, Miami to begin yeah. with. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's one closer of those where to me, so that's good. <laughs> it, it seems like they had the option of like, would you like to claim the entire state of Florida? They're just like, yes, we would like to claim the entire state of Florida. P.S. Still Miami. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think they just had to reserve it, right? Like, just to at least part of the probably the twenty million buy-in. It's just like, okay, we can't have any competitors even near us, so that um, the market's not going to be saturated in whatever way. Uh, but yeah, okay. Well, Hopefully, we'll we'll be able to see that and everything goes smoothly in season one, so that that can happen. By um, the way, I think that one quick thing. I think yeah. the best part about the Florida Mayhem. Uh, being named the Florida Mayhem is that whenever they mess up, you have full access to the Florida Man meme, which is just going to be phenomenal. <laughs> Florida Man meme? Which one is that? Really? Have I missed that one? <laughs> okay. It's just the thing. Like, Florida Man, like, bites throat of goat. Oh, Florida Man, Florida like, man. Okay, robs okay. bank naked okay, or whatever. It, but okay. Flo- f- yeah, okay. yeah, Florida Man dances naked off bath salts and, like, eats his <laughs> Okay, all right, gotcha. What, whatever. <laughs> Not interesting at first. Okay, got it now. Uh, all right, another question we have is from Pasta. Where's a good place to get into amateur teams? Looking to improve teams-based skills outside of comp. So... um yeah, I mean, well, open division is a thing, and yeah. it's going to be run officially by Blizzard. I think they're farming out some of the like the admin and turn, tournament organizational aspects of that out to third parties. Uh, but that's another thing we're still waiting for details on. So we don't really have any details on contenders right now. We don't have many details on open division. Uh, my feeling is that open division is going to start to be the place to prove yourself. I, that's absolutely the idea behind it. Is you start you start as a player, you go through quick play, you go through ranks, you try to get masters, grandmasters, then you play an open division team. Then if you're really good, your open division team might get picked up or you might get picked up individually, play on a contenders team, then you can make it to OWL. So certainly that's what Blizzard is going for. Um, yeah, but how, how do you even get on an open division team though? Like, Is there like an underground or an underground discord that's kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like the OW or Pro Talk, but just like, the tier under, you know, that the pro. Uh, uh, I mean, the, the OW is probably the right Discord yeah, for it. Honestly. It's almost like the general one, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, that's all the questions we got from email. So I think we've got a few minutes left. If you guys in Twitch chat have any questions, shoot them our way and we'll, we'll ask them. It's kind of a. I don't think people are used to us being here on Wednesday nights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that? 
not only that are people not used to this being here on a Wednesday night, but the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving were not people's highest priority. <laughs> I don't believe Nogi, you. Come on, Nogi's got to have a question, right? Come on, you can just throw us a question. Throw us a softball, Nogi. How are you saying? Uh... Do we have any info on in-game items? I don't know. Oh. Do we have info? Hey, when are the when are the uh, jerseys coming out for sale, man? I'm not sure about that. Uh, We've got like the jerseys that you may have seen in um, you know our video or announcement video or some Twitter pictures. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure those are just like prototypes. The actual actual ones are going to be coming out later. Okay. Um, So I'm not entirely sure when, but that's all I know. Okay. I uh, I've said this on the show probably three dozen times at this point, but uh, for the love of God, please give us in-game merchandising for the teams that supports the yeah. teams and supports the players and supports the yes. league. That is how you're going to make this work. Blizzard, I know you're probably 99.8% doing this already, but sweet Lord, please do it. Please. Just if you're thinking about not doing it, you should change change your mind because that's that's infinite money, dude. I think what uh, you're saying is you want them to put out a pair of Nikes. Is all I'm getting from this. <laughs> all right, now I'm the one not getting the reference, but uh... okay. So we got okay. A couple, their slogan is "Just questions. do it." Oh, just do it. Okay, <laughs> man. All right, we got a couple questions from Trevor and from Nookie here. Uh, the first thing is uh, from Trevor. No way, it's Trevor. Sorry. Uh, what tweaks to Doomfist would make him viable? Yeah, how, how far away is Doomfist being viable? We see him from time to time, like you know, as like a switch up, uh, but actually being a main part of the meta. We that far away from it? Uh I, I don't I don't really have any like many thoughts or opinions on mm-hmm. Doomfist. My the first thing that I think we need to get through is the amount of bugs that he has. Um there's <laughs> <Yeah>. way too many <laughs> mishaps true. with yeah. Doomfist in game, so I think they need to figure that stuff out before anything. Yeah, consistency I, I would, definitely good. I, I would just jump in and say Doomfist was viable until they nerfed him. Uh Yes. I thought I thought Doomfist was an awesome character. A lot of people thought it was kind of BS that he uh, that it, he was so good and could one shot so frequently. Um, I sort of disagree. Like the the what the week or two weeks when Doomfist was actually available and very powerful in comp, uh, we actually saw him played in Apex Challenger. Uh, you know, a lot of like mm-hmm. the pro teams were playing him when they had a chance to. Uh, it, it, I thought Doomfist really shook up. Uh, the meta and made for really interesting fun gameplay so I, I do hope they bring him back it's kind of fun to watch him too because he's not a jittery type of hero too he doesn't shake a ton whenever you're watching him I'm gonna be honest I'm not actually convinced that he's not viable in the way he is right now mm-hmm. but he uh, the thing is is that you've now created a super niche hero that requires a lot of incredibly focused practice time in terms of dealing with him without relying on some common uh, FPS background, like, say, Widowmaker is in the same boat, but Widowmaker is relying on people's common background with Hitscan. Doomfist is sort of in his own category, and you have the issue of, can you make a team practice with him? Can you make a player spend a lot of time practicing on him when there's other more reliable ways to win? So I don't know if Doomfist is in the scenario right now where he needs buffs beyond the bug fixing, or just a case where... You just have to wait for the meta-defining team to come out and just crush everyone with Doomfist. I really think there's a strong possibility he might not need those buffs. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. Last question. Oki's asking Verbo, do you think pickup games 
need to have incentive to be valuable for professional players outside an ELO system, aka money or prizes. Hmm, I think there, once pugs start getting more popular, there might be a system that uh, gets put into place uh, in terms of like a ranking. I think the incentive right now is just like we want better games, right? Like just yeah. ranked is not a great place to practice. Uh, it's very hard to get efficient practice out of it or effective practice out of, practice out of it. Um, so yeah, the incentive right now for pugs is just having to play better games, right? I mean, would Blizzard even allow like <laughs> that type of thing to happen? Like, I'm what is it? Sure. Is it ESA money... or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, would would that even be possible? <laughs> um, I again, I'm, I doubt I mean, it. I don't know. Yeah, Blizzard I, is I, I... a little bit strict with that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. so I'm not sure. I, mm. I'd love to see it, but I just don't think. I think they just want OWL to be such a the four, you know, just like the front and center and nothing else. So, uh, that, yeah. Well, the other thing too, is I think there is some idealism there to an extent where they're sort of like, look, if you start creating, you know, APIs and supports for third party pugs, the ladder is effectively gone forever. I, I do think there is sort of, you know, at least a good natured yearning to fix a ladder and be like, well, why can't we fix our ladder versus just, going, all right, screw our ladder, do the pugs. So I, I do think there is kind of a tension there where Blizzard themselves probably would like a few extra cracks at making ladder itself good before, you know, going to a situation where what, what, once you enable the third-party support for all these other things, I mean, you just, you're, you're killing your ladder at the top end. And that's where you leave it. So uh, maybe it'll eventually get to that point, but I assume there at least be a few more reworks of comp before it got to that point. We're not I using agree. ladder for yeah. anything, anyways. Like, what are we using ladder for? Like, there's no grinding. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no qualifications for anything being, you know, like top 500 or any. So I, I don't think it even matters to be honest. Like, if if um the top end, you know, maybe ladder's just for more of the you know semi-pro, you know, casual scene, and that's fine. Like, yeah, do you have a problem I with that, Verbo? I mean, that, that's fine for you guys too, right? I mean, you don't, you don't have to play uh, these kind of games. Like, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I don't know. Maybe like some of the people that are in the amateur scene might feel like, oh, you know, the pros are not playing in this. You know, I'm never gonna really play end up playing against them. I, mm -hmm. I don't. know. That might affect it, but I do agree with uh, ZP. I think they should give. I think they should try to fix ladder a bit more. But right now, the state that it's in, it's just. I would much rather play pugs over the ladder. For the record, uh, I will give here my uh, solution ladder, which is a little bit out there, but I think would be actually quite good for the ladder as far as it goes. I mean, if, uh, actually, I'm gonna throw this. This is our weekly. This is our out. weekly to our advice on trying how to changing the ladder here. No, no. We so always have it. This is, yeah. This is a very simple way that I think would address smurfing to an extent, just because it's opportunity cost and otherwise. Is that what I would do? Is that I would create a hot zone for ladder that is available, maybe not even every day of the week, but say three days of the week. Uh, you know, on a rotate schedule, not the same three days every time, but you know, something along the lines of in your time zone where you, you know, say for North America, you could set from like six to 10 central mm -hmm. to try and like make all sides happy here. You have a second ladder that's opened up here. And this is a ladder where the matchmaking only goes in once every 30 minutes. So you have effectively an extended search time combined with a focused window to incentivize people to queue. The goal here is that with this limited opportunity and increased uh, people with 
also increased uh, queue time, you would get much more tightly tuned matches for this window. And thus you would have a period each week to really look forward to much better tuned games. Now you might go, well, didn't you say that was going to help prevent smurfing? Yes, it wouldn't eliminate it. But part of the reason why people smurf is they go, I don't really feel like trying too hard right now. I'm just going to pub whatever. I'll do my smurf. Maybe I'll grind out and uh, channel my inner one trick. If you have a window of time where you can only play this like elite ladder for X amount of hours per week, do you want to waste those hours on a smurf? Probably not. So you get a lot of beneficial attributes if to ladder, if you just make it more of a premium thing where it's only available at certain times. And again, you can make a second ladder for this and sort of be like, this is our top ladder and transition away from the 24 seven ladder being your prestige, uh, ladder that you're going with but honestly i think that would be a really good way of reinvigorating the in-game ladder to be something better than what it is now yeah yeah Pick yeah. pickups have been a staple of every competitive community i've ever been part of uh and i'm i'm old old school so i haven't played a lot of games with ranked systems uh it's really just been overwatch and like starcraft pretty much uh but you know without the ranked system this is how everyone played high-level FPS and any other competitive game, any other team-based competitive game in general for decades. Uh, so I certainly hope that it's something that we continue to see, um, even if it's not like for the Tier 1 OWL Pro or even for Contenders players. I just hope that there is a healthy pickup game scene because going back to one of our earlier points and our earlier questions, like how do you get into competitive, I think pickups are the best possible way to do that. You get to know people, you get to... People get to un like really not just like, oh, I've played with him a few times. I kind of know his play style, but like the comms are on another level. The team works on another level. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully it's a thing for at least semi pros. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for the questions tonight. Uh, I think we're going to wrap things up. And again, if you guys have a question for us and you want uh, to us to read it out to, on next week's show, go ahead and email that to the overview at shamanv.tv and we'll try to get it in. But Verbo, man, thanks for coming on tonight, joining us. It was a lot of fun having you on. Thanks, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me over. Yeah, you got any shout-outs you want to do before we take off? Uh, I mean, just shout-out to Valiant for, you know, we're going to be playing in the Overwatch League. I'm excited, excited to represent LA. Shout-out mm -hmm. to my teammates. Love you guys, and that's pretty much it. All right, ZP, shout-outs. Uh, follow me on Twitter at TempoZP. Such an impassioned wow. plea. <laughs> wow, that was just like uh, almost nonchalant there. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, whatever, like uh, right, same okay. shout week in and week out. Like just <laughs> screw it. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> okay, all right, good deal. Ben, how about you? Uh I honestly I have nothing this week. Like there's no there's nothing special going on right now. Hopefully, yeah. um hopefully Moira comes out tomorrow. That would be sick if Moira comes out on ranked. Then we can uh we can all enjoy that together. Um but yeah, I, I guess we're getting really close to the start of OWL. I think that's what I'll shout out. December 6th, mark yep. it on your calendar. Countdown, man. It's only three seasons, so I feel, I'm like really, really curious to know, to see how the games actually end up panning out for the preseason. Like, is it going to be the B rosters? Are they are like people going to just like be trying all kinds of weird stuff? We have no idea, but we're going to see the production value and the hype yes, that's what is going to be real. So Overwatch League coming soon. We'll see you December 6th. It's yeah. gonna be rad. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm. I can't wait to see just you know how 
just how much tighter you know the production is going to be that's the part i'm most excited about but um yeah definitely a preseason thanks everybody for watching tonight i know it's like night before thanksgiving and i can't wait to eat some turkey tomorrow so hopefully everybody has a great thanksgiving holidays and go shopping too there's gonna be some great deals i'm sure uh but you can find the overview on uh, youtube.com slash the vods and you can find us on audios too uh, just uh, by going to iTunes and looking up Overwatch. And if you like us, leave us a five-star review because it really helps out. And uh, we're also on Google Play and SoundCloud.com slash But that's going to be it, guys, for this week. So for Verbo, ZP, Fish Sticks, and myself, Chamin V, we'll see you next week. Can't tell if we're dreaming now.